your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Now you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. Die, never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up. Elijah Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Farrakhan, Michael Mesh. Now, man, what about me? All right. Assalamualaikum, family. It's your brother Ben X. We on Brother Ben X Network. Uh, the bow ties. Uh, the Bean Pies and Bowties <laughs> podcast. As you as you know, we have our host, uh, co-host with Brother King Cam, Brother Malcolm Flex. We have our special guest, student minister, Brother Demetric Muhammad, and student minister, Dr. Wesley Muhammad. And today, as you guys can see on the topic, we're going to be discussing the assassination of Brother Young Dolph, but not just the assassination of Brother Young Dolph, but the assassination of, you know, black men. And then we're going to end it off with Brother Malcolm X, which we have two brothers, um, Brother Demetric and uh, student minister, uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, who has done a great job clearing the air with the truth about what happened with Brother Malcolm. We have Didn't Y'all Kill Malcolm by Brother uh, Demetric Muhammad. That's a book that you guys must get. And we also have several videos, several documentations, several Instagram, Facebook and YouTube posts from uh, Dr. Wesley Muhammad breaking it down even before it came out, you know, on Netflix, even before it just came out that the two got exonerated. He been exposing the truth about what happened. So uh, I'll start by the King Cam. You can introduce yourself uh, and we can get on into the topic and everybody else can go around as well. Yes, sir. And thank you for that, uh, Brother Ben. It's your brother, King Cam. And uh, man, I'm just happy to host this wonderful podcast behind and beside some powerful brothers. And I can't wait to get into uh, the topic tonight because it's something that needs to be discussed. And, you know, after we have these powerful discussions, it's always about bringing solutions. Uh, so I'm I'm definitely excited and I'm going to slide it over to uh, Brother Malcolm. All praises is due to Allah. Assalamu alaikum, family. Uh, this is your brother, uh, Malcolm Flex. And uh, it's wonderful to be here. I thank Allah for allowing us to be here tonight. I thank Allah for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I will thank Allah uh, for allowing our uh, wonderful and illustrious guests to come on tonight, Brother Demetric Muhammad and Brothers, Brother Student Minister Demetric Muhammad and Brother Student Minister Dr. Wesley Muhammad. Um, I had the pleasure of knowing these brothers and interviewing these brothers in the past. And uh, I believe that this is an all-star cast tonight. This will be a wonderful show. Thank you. Yes, sir. Brother Demetri. Well, first of all, let me say, Brother Ben, Brother King Cam, Brother Malcolm Flex, Student Minister Dr. Wesley, I am extremely overjoyed and, and very honored to have the privilege and the opportunity to be here with each and every one of you, my wonderful brothers, who everyone on this panel is doing such a fantastic job of proliferating the teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad as they have been given to us by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And so I'm, I'm overjoyed to be on this platform tonight and I look forward to the discussion and I pray that as time goes on we can do this again because this is a powerful assembly of students and helpers of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Yes I, I can only 
um, second the motion put on the table by by my brother and colleague, student minister, Dimitri Muhammad, brother Ben, brother King Cam, brother Malcolm Flex. I, I'm honored to be invited on your platform. It's a powerful platform. You guys are influencers um, on behalf of our nation. And so I would be remiss um, if I did not um, show or um, express the honor that I have to be invited on your platform to engage your, your audience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So the first topic, Brother Cam, we have is Brother Young Dog. Go ahead and introduce us into the topic. Yes, sir. <clears throat> well, brothers, um, you know, family, we recently uh, all were made aware of and saw, you know, on our uh, social media feeds about the death of a uh, rapper out of Memphis, uh, Young Dolph, uh, killed at the age of 36, um, you know, a few weeks ago, going on about a, a month or so now. And this has been something that has not been a coincidence or something that is just a one-off, but something that has been happening pretty frequently. Um, you know, you have Mo3 uh, who was killed in Texas. You have uh, Chinks Drugs who was murdered years ago um, in New York City. You have, you know, uh, rappers from Chicago, you know, that have been murdered in Chicago. You know, and the list goes on and on and on. And then when you start to compare and look at the history of these rappers murdered in their cities, but then you start to look at a lot of our other impactful motivational black leadership, whether it was Chairman Fred, whether it was Brother Malcolm, whether it was Dr. Martin Luther King, all chopped down in their youth. And I wanted to have this discussion because I wanted to understand exactly what was happening in our community and what you know how can we shed light on these particular situation uh so taking it back up to young Dolph, who's the most recent i know uh brother Dimitri, you are right there in memphis and i wanted to just kind of get from you your perspective of brother young Dolph, what he was doing in the community we're aware of the news clips and things of that nature where they talked about his philanthropy and things he would do giving back uh, to the community, but I know you there boots on the ground. So what are some of your thoughts and perspective on that, you know, uh, and the brother uh, giving back in the community? You know, I have to say first and foremost that our thoughts, our prayers, and our condolences go out to the family of our dear brother, young Dolph. We pray that Allah will lift the burden of sadness from the heart and the soul of his family and all who loved him. Certainly he was a beloved member of the Memphis community and he was a beloved member of the hip hop community. He was a brother that was, even though he was in the hip hop world and we all have our respective critiques of what hip hop has become, but he was a young brother that showed the spark of wisdom and courage 
to go against the grain. And he represents a great loss to those of us in this community, similar to what the Los Angeles community felt with the loss of the life of our brother, Nipsey Hussle. And may Allah be pleased with him as well. So our brother was here and he was doing many positive things as we were doing research in preparation for a memorial service that is to take place tomorrow where the local representative of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Minister Abdul Muthakia Muhammad, will be speaking to represent the nation of Islam. We found very fascinating aspects to our brother's life. And it reminded me of what the minister has taught us over the years. And that is, is that we don't really know each other until death visits us. And each and every day we live our life, it is as though we are writing our testament. And then death comes and it puts a period to the end of our testament. And then we can assess and look at the life of a particular human being. And so I have been personally intrigued by my brother's growth, his development, his evolution. In 2015, when the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan was touring America in preparation for the justice or else gathering for the 20th anniversary of the Million Man March, when he came to Memphis, he wanted to speak to the artists. He wanted to speak to the thought leaders in this community. And more than 400 of them came out at the invitation of Minister Farrakhan. And young Dolph was one of the first to agree to come and be in the presence of the minister. And that is the context behind that very popular all but viral photo of young Dolph and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. And not long after that, he honored the minister by referencing the minister and giving the minister the greetings in one of his songs, I believe it was called Point Across or something like that. Yes, sir. Then in 2018, he has a music project called Role Model. And when he was interviewed for Billboard magazine, the writer talked about Dolph's ability to be spiritual and how he was desirous of taking his celebrity status and really doing what many of us know Minister Farrakhan has encouraged all artists to do, which is to leverage their leadership potential from the purview of their celebrity status and begin to make a positive impact on what life is like in the hood. So Dolph was doing all of that. He was making very strategic business moves, owning his masters. He was turning down $22 million contracts because he believed God would bless him in a short amount of time to make $200 million on his own. Mm. So this was a young man whose mind was growing. This was a young man that was a light in our community and for our people. And so we mourn his loss. But as the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said to us very recently, that our brother is gone. And now the work is left for us 
to continue. Those of us in this city, which is a city that just a few days ago has earned the dubious distinction as the most dangerous city in America. I would question that, but that's at least what came out in the Memphis. news. Yes, but we have a lot of work to do. And I'm so grateful that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has reopened Muhammad Moss and steady groups throughout America because the pandemic, I have really been fascinated and really disappointed. But you know, the so-called pandemic shut down every institution that the people depend on for life. Religion, politics, business, all were affected. But unfortunately, the one phenomenon that went unabated is the phenomenon of Black-on-Black -black homicide. Mm -hmm. That's extraordinary to me that even during uh, shelter-in-place restrictions, even during quarantine protocols, we still found a way to kill each other. And so we know that the only solution is the salvific presence of the Nation of Islam. We're open again. We are back again full force in the community. And I believe that Allah will bless us here in the city of Memphis to stem the tide of bloodshed, the more we're able to get back engaging with our people. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, and thank you for that, dear brother, because it helped to bring together a clearer picture of what our brother was doing. And as you mentioned before, you know, people knew of some of his community give back, um, but you was able to peel back some of the layers on that. And, you know, for everybody that's coming in, you know, and a lot of the, the questions that we hear specifically dealing with hip hop artists and rappers is that they do the work in the community, right? They'll come and give back and do things like that, but they have like one foot in the community, one foot in the streets, one foot in the community, one foot in the streets. So Dr. Wesley, I know you have done um, extensive, you know, uh, research and work specifically in the hip hop industry, researching the hip hop industry and some of the things that are uh, in the hip hop industry. And I wanna uh, get from you or hear from you, your perspective of how the rappers always seem to be, you know, one foot in the streets, one foot in the community. They wanna come out, they wanna try to do some different things, but that street pass always catches up to them. Yes, first, thank you, brother student minister Dimitri for that um that enlightening perspective that you gave all of us um a brother young Dolph I was not aware of all of um the stages of his growth as you enumerated them that's very very important brother King Cam I I see two aspects of the phenomenon that you're noting. Artists, successful artists having one street, one leg in the street and one leg in the community. I think on one level, um, it is a challenge to break away from street life especially because street life is so valorized by 
the owners of hip hop because the bully coon is made the the all important type of black man the bully coon you know the rapper who allegedly kills all these niggas nigga is not my reference niggas their reference and the more niggas that i make you believe i killed the more street the more loyal to street life i convince you i am then the more successful i will be as an artist now in some cases it is a matter of real street dudes bringing their street experience to their art and unable to escape the life because it becomes a vicious cycle, right? You wreck the life and then the the life doesn't let you go. There's also the case of non-street dudes who are false flagging. And in that case, art, life mimics art, right? They craft their art around this persona. And then that persona ends up bringing certain circumstances to their real life. The fundamental problem is that this black man, is held up as the authentic black man. The bully coon, in fact, is presented as authentic blackness. So what's a real nigga, right? And real nigga is used to identify real blackness, right? That's code for a real brother is a real nigga. And then the definition of real nigga is presented. And all of us who don't measure up to the definition, the characteristics of a real nigga are disauthenticated as a real black man. And of course, the other side of that, as much as we have been given the standard definition of black manhood through hip-hop hip-hop also gives us the real definition of black womanhood and so megan the stallion and cardi b are getting all of these awards right they are valorized their representation of black womanhood society is crowning them is awarding them for their representation of black womanhood so the ratchet black woman is now the standard of black femininity as the bully coon has been made the standard of black masculinity and the owners of hip-hop which is not us we're the pawns of hip-hop the owner the authors 
of this definition of black manhood and black womanhood are the power behind the throne in hip hop. It happens to be Jews and they are the authors. And this is what's important. I will close here. Jews literally are the authors of black authenticity as it is represented in hip hop music in particular. And I am not introducing this language, black authenticity to the discourse. This is you uh, literally what or how these black images are positioned as expressions of black authenticity and the authors of these 2021 images of black authenticity. The bully, the modern bully coon that are the same authors of Jim Crow and Zip Coon who who were the characters that represented black authenticity during that era, just as the nigger killing nigger and the bad getting slut are the characters that represent black authenticity today. Wow, that's heavy. And it's so much, it's so much that I want to unpack um, on that. And thank you, uh, Dr. Wesley, for that. I want to allow um, Brother Malcolm and Brother Ben uh, to chime in as well, but I want to bring up this this one point. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan did a lecture in Long Beach, California. I can't remember the exact date uh, where he was talking about the gangs and the killing, and he mentioned the fact that you know he was tired of seeing the mothers of the slain brothers and sisters, but mostly brothers at the hands of one another. And it makes me think because when Dolph, when Dolph was murdered, that's what everybody was saying. Like, why again, again, we just had Nip. We just had Mo3. We just had Bankroll Fresh. Like, and it just keeps happening. The people saying it's jealousy and envy. I'm gonna get in, I'm gonna touch on that a little bit, but I just wanted to hear, uh, from brother Malcolm and uh, brother Ben, just to give y'all thoughts on uh, on Young Dolph, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna go into it a little bit further. Go ahead, brother Ben. Yes, sir. Um, as I as I think about this, it just reminds me that um, I don't know the true reason. Now, there's a page that's on Instagram that talks about, you know, what happened in the jealousy and it was street stuff and stuff that happened, retaliation, whatever the case may be. But it just reminds me um, of the importance of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. Um, And what I mean by that is this, um, although he's done great things in Memphis, although he's done great things in the community, the minister shows us an example of how important we are as human beings to be proactive in security. Uh, Cause when I think about hip hop and I think about rappers, it's, it's almost like a bragging right to say I move by myself. Mm, it's almost, cool. it's almost like a man. I, yeah, I'm one deep and I go everywhere by myself and it sounds tough, right? 
But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how tough we are, how strong we are. Um, bullets hurt us too. Uh, and, and we will, if, if it hit us the right place in the right way, we will die as well, no matter what we're saying to ourselves in our mind or on social media. So the way that the minister moves, he shows us how we should move when we have that type of importance. As, 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 as much as he's known in his community, as much great things that he's done in his, in his community, as much great feedback that he's gotten under comments of what he's done, he still was killed. And as many other rappers in their own community. And what I've been looking at and studying is what was the condition and, and who was with them? How was they moving when they got killed? Many of them are by themselves. Many of them uh, don't have any security around them. So many people look at the minister and say, why does he move like that? You know, why, why, you know, why would he do something like that? But uh, it's just a reminder of, you know, many people don't have that type of money to move like that or the manpower to move like that. But when we do, I think we should follow after that example. So when I'm listening to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan or, or, or looking at what's happening, yes, we should follow his way and, and listen to his words, but we should also look at his example that he's given us. Um, look at the example of the security uh, that's around him, the mindset uh, that they have. So I just, I just um, encourage us all who have any type of importance, whether you're doing good or bad, to not just listen to what the ministers say, to clap at it, not just to come out the Savior's Day to say, man, he had a great lecture, not just to get on Instagram and say, oh, my goodness, he's the Messiah or he's Jesus or whatever the case may be. But to really look at how he's able to be at that age, we've looked we're going to eventually talk about Malcolm X on the thing. We've talked about Martin Luther King. All of them, unfortunately, has been assassinated. And when we look at the life of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, although there has been attempts uh, on his life, the way that he moves and being backed by the two in his belief, in his work, I believe has prolonged that. And many would come from a weak perspective saying, well, the reason he's still alive is because he's working for the government. The reason he's still alive is because he's in the Illuminati. He's Boule. He's this. He's that. Well, if he's all these different things, why would they remove him from Facebook? Why would they remove him from Twitter? Why would they remove him from Instagram? So I think the longevity of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is something that us who's growing up following in those footsteps in the nation or outside of the nation should consider and look at. So that's one of the first things that comes up in my mind. Many of us are, you know, as rappers or just period are doing great work. But that doesn't mean that because we're doing great work that we shouldn't still follow as much as we can, as much as our pockets can afford, as much as our manpower can afford to protect ourselves with wisdom and not depend on a mystery God. May I make a comment to that, dear brother Ben? Yes, sir. Um, great, great wisdom. Um, I just only wanted to, to share this. We should, when we move, we should always move securely, especially if we are so-called public persons I, because I have a a personal experience with something of what you just shared, I just wanted to share. Now, the minister moves with his security, not because 
he's dependent in that security for his protection. The minister has said that you mentioned the two that back him. Those are his security. But he moves with his detail for us because our faith isn't strong enough in those two to secure us. And so if we, in our weak faith, sees him move unsecured, we would be inclined to do so as well and then fall into the very situation that you are cautioning us against. But I think an important point has to be made here that the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan does not rely on his physical security to secure him. It's the two that back him now. And that's the ultimate lesson for us. You will see your brother at times move solo. Not because I'm on that one deep situation. I, I remember after a particular lecture I gave at Mas Mariam. The Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan called me and he said, he said, discussing some things I had put out in that lecture and some people I exposed. He said, I will put, I will personally pick a detail for you. But subsequent to that, he gave me a deeper lesson. My faith in the two that back him when he told me the same two that backs him can back me. But of course, my faith had to grow in that. And that's where my challenge was coming into this as a five percenter, right? And so the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan as the Messiah, he knows the needs of those around him. All of his disciples have a bit of triflingness in us. And those who are blessed to be around him, he works on our particular triflingness. He works on our particular weakness and Faith in the unseen was always my challenge as an atheist 5% evolving into an FY. Faith in the unseen. And so while he said that to me, he also let me know that my faith has to be in the two that back him. I have to have faith that the same two back me. So I offered that because ultimately, you know, we don't want brothers getting posseed up, right? And it becomes a show. It becomes theater. We don't want studio Muslims any more than there were studio gangsters because that generates Life starts imitating art. 
in a bad way. So we don't want to get posseed up just to get posseed up. We don't want to get posseed up for the theatrics of it. We as Muslims, the most important example that we should set for our people, we don't lead them to security in weapons. We don't lead them. We do lead them in security in a brotherhood and a sisterhood. We do do that. The gang isn't the answer, but the brotherhood and the sisterhood is. But it's a brotherhood and sisterhood who don't carry guns. Our strength is anchored in the power of our God. As FOI, as Muslims, that's the message we must send to our people through our example. Yes, sir. Uh, man, man. Yeah, so um, I, I do have a question uh, for both of uh, my brothers. Um, it is a, it's a two-part question. Um, I can repeat the second part if you all want me to. Um, but my questions are, um, Dr. Wesley, the, the brothers or 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 well, I remember the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan stating that one rap song is more powerful than a thousand lectures. And, uh, and, I, and I've also heard you say that, you know, the, our, our rappers are the gods of the hood. So how does the assassination of our, our young black men in hip hop parallels the assassination of our black leadership um, in the early 60s and the 70s? And then I have a question for Brother Dimitri. Well, you know, when I saw the flyer for this powerful discussion, and the subject was assassinations, you know, I think the textbook case that answers your question. The assassination of Michael Jackson was in many ways the template of black death, not just in the hip hop industry, but on the block. Michael Jackson was assassinated. His particular um, form of assassination in mafia lingo, a syringe job in particular, death by polypharmacy, he was murdered by a cocktail of drugs. I think what's important, when our rappers are murdered, that rightly gets the attention it deserves. But when our rappers die of drug overdose, we should not and must not put those deaths in a different category. The number, when you add the number of artists who have died by drug overdose, and in more case, I believe we just celebrated 
Juice World birthday or death day recently. Juice World wasn't shot and killed at Midway Airport here in Chicago. He fell dead at Midway because of a cocktail of drugs in his system. Hip hop has been used to normalize death by polypharmacy, polypharmacy, many drugs, which was the manner of murder of Michael Jackson. And so in 2009, Michael Jackson was murdered in a particular way by, among others, industry people who will also have their fingerprints all over hip hop. In the manner of Michael Jackson's assassination, hip hop was used to normalize it. So all of these drug deaths, which are drug murders, future lamented because Juice World started sipping lean and he ended up being addicted to lean and other drugs because he listened to Future, who was made the drum major of drug addiction hip-hop. And he lamented that and reflected on how many hundreds and possibly thousands of other Juice Worlds he might have been responsible for. So, being a hip-hop artist is a hazardous job today. It's a very hazardous job. Our hip-hop artists are being killed off, and I, and I will close with this. Randy Quaid, again, the Michael Jackson assassination. In so many ways, it's a textbook case of an industry murder. Randy Quaid, the actor, spoke of the Hollywood's star whackers, a group of mafia-associated Hollywood figures. And by mafia, I'm using that term broadly to include both the Italian mafia, the Jewish mafia, and the gay mafia. This Hollywood mafia would start whackers and would whack Hollywood celebrities for the insurance because every job a Hollywood actor did, the producers took out insurance on them. And the hustle developed in Hollywood that they would sign up an artist for a job, get the insurance policy for them, and then whack them. Heath Ledger, David Carradine, Randy Quaid said, well, and Michael Jackson were victims of these Hollywood star whackers. I do believe that hip hop has its whackers as well. I believe that all of these hip hop murders, I think they result from a combination of our unfortunate beholdingness to death culture. We are. We in the hip-hop community, too many of us are beholden 
to the death culture. We call it street life, okay? But it's street death. It's a death culture. And we have loyalty to it, too much so. And it is killing us. And when you marry our unreasonable beholdenness to this death culture, when you marry that to the nefarious interests of the owners of hip hop, who have at their command these star whackers, then I think that marriage accounts for all of the death that hip hop has experienced over the last few years. Wow, wow. See, family, y'all don't know what y'all getting. All right, so uh, brother Dimitri, my question to you, beloved, um, because I know you know you work um, inside of the jails and the prisons, dealing with um, the inmates. And uh, I remember, because I used to write music myself and do music as well, but I remember reading a Final Call newspaper paper article of the minister when he was exposing um, how. Uh, the music industry is invested in prisons and uh, CCAs. And um, so we all know the school to prison pipeline and we understand the secret meeting that um, members of the music industry had with uh, the people who run the prisons, you know. So with the music that is being uh, put out, uh, nowadays, it only promotes, you know, violence, drugs, sex, and murder. You know what I mean? So, and they won't put out anything like when when I was real young. Uh, the 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 positive music they won't they won't promote that. They only promote the negative music. How do we uh combat the the not the school to prison pipe? Not only the school to prison pipeline, but the hip hop. The, to prison pipeline that's sending so many youth to jail and prison? Well, my brother, you know, it helps if we are able to awaken and educate our people to what is taking place behind the scenes. So the information that my brother, Dr. Wesley just presented, most of our people are unaware of it. And so we don't realize that we are being manipulated and that we are being victimized by genocidal plots and plans. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has frequently cited the Bible in Exodus where Pharaoh said, come, we must deal wisely or shrewdly with them, lest they multiply and in a time of war, they will come against us. And so even though that's in the Bible, in all reality, that has been the philosophy of every individual who has been the president of the United States of America. And the federal government has as their purpose the destruction of black youth and the destruction of our ability as a people to unite and to form a nation. So when we talk about 
hip hop music and it being weaponized against the legitimate aspirations of our people. There's so much to be said for that because all of us that's on this platform tonight, I would dare say hip hop is a music that we love. It's a culture that helped to nurture us. It was a part of our coming of age. Certainly the different ages of us, we came of age with different genres or different iterations. In the early 1990s, when I joined the nation, rappers were like de facto recruiters for the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan's rebuilt Nation of Islam. That's right. And this is very, very important to appreciate. That's right. I was thinking about this earlier and I pulled out an article that was in the Washington Post written by David Mills. And this was written in 1991. And the very first sentence of Mr. Mills' article in the Washington Post states, Elijah Muhammad, the longtime leader of the Nation of Islam, is having a deep influence on rap music 15 years after his death with unprecedented directness a number of new rappers are quoting Muhammad's core dogma that the white people are a race of devils and snakes and that African-Americans are descended from the tribe of Shabazz, the original man created by Allah. Go ahead, research minister. Now in 1991, this is the period of time where, as my brother beautifully talked to us about, the owners of hip hop began to wrest it away from all of those rappers who were making Elijah Muhammad and his teachings That's pop. popular among young people. Remember, it was J. Edgar Hoover who said, as one of his core objectives, we can't allow black nationalist groups to attract youthful adherents. In other words, don't let the Muslims, don't let the Panthers, don't let strong black groups be able to attract young people to carry on their message in subsequent or future generations. Going back to young Dolph, there's a lot that is very strange when we consider that just a few days after our brother or before our brother was killed, a Memphis-based rapper, another Memphis-based rapper, Moneybag Yo, he had a viral image in social media. And it was an image of him with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad tattooed in great detail on his back. I believe in other words to say that just as Farrakhan has said, Elijah Muhammad backs me, Elijah got my back too. That's right. Memphis-based rappers with a direct line of, as they say, six degrees of separation. 
they had one degree of separation with the nation of Islam, this Elijah Muhammad and Louis Farrakhan duo that are present at the birth and the genesis of hip hop to make it what historians call message rap in its early days. But then the current owners, members of the Jewish community, specifically wanting to extirpate the influence of the nation of Islam from hip hop, have now turned it into what we have today. And I'm, you know, surprised to hear because I didn't know Doc what Future had said, but about being remorseful over helping to steer our youth into recreational drug use. But it tallies with what I read from Nicki Minaj when she was on the cover of a magazine in modest attire and in the interview, she was remorseful over how her hypersexualized image had given rise to young women using social media to prostitute themselves. And she said she felt that she had contributed to that negative phenomenon. I didn't know that. So I think back to your point or your question, Brother Malcolm, we have to continue to follow the way and the pedagogy of our illustrious teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, of exposing the man of sin, of helping our people to see what is going on behind the scenes. Because most of us think that music and hip hop and television and movies is just entertainment. We forget that in every streaming service or every radio or TV station, there's someone called a program manager. We aren't being entertained as much as we are being programmed. And if we refer to our celebrities as stars, intriguing use of language, because a star is in the heavens and is known for giving off a brilliant and beautiful light. Henry Berry said in the immediate aftermath of Nat Turner's rebellion, that we have to close every avenue by which light might enter the mind of the slaves and then even go one step further to cognitively impair them so that if by chance our barriers to light fail and they get exposed to light, they won't even be able to comprehend the light that they are exposed to. And that's what we are looking at today with the school to prison pipeline, with the hip hop to prison pipeline. We are looking at the corruption of a genre and an art form that began with a purpose to help aid in the liberation of our people. And I think the more that we expose it and the more that so-called conscious or uh, awakened artists take center stage, See, because in truth, there were always artists who had something foul to say. The difference is 20 or 30 years ago, conscious artists were mainstream at the center of the culture. And those who did not have a positive message, they were in the periphery. Today, conscious artists are in the periphery and those who have a negative message are center stage and mainstream. 
So we have a lot of work to do to expose the evil of the current iteration of hip hop while simultaneously developing artists who have a better message to replace them. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, sir. See, um, that's why I love God-guided research. All praises And every time I hear my brother and colleague, student minister, Demetri, and read him, I, I, I know I'm reading and hearing God-guided research. And what God-guided research allows is for us to put, to connect dots and put the pieces to the puzzle together more better. And so that article, Brother Dimitri, is absolutely awesome. That was 1991. With a yes, Washington, sir. That, with a Washington Post acknowledge they didn't say this, but I know from their perspective, the ominous presence of the Masana boy Elijah Muhammad in hip hop, 91. And then it was in 92 that that, see, if I'm not mistaken, that that secret meeting with hip hop took place where they plotted the course correction of hip hop. That's right. To feed the prison, the hip hop to prison pipeline. So, we and then of course too short gives his testimony of how he was manipulated during that same period to help take hip-hop in a different direction and so we can see i think that article that our dear brother Demetri was able to unearth and share with us those words that the Washington Post wrote in 1991 gives us the background for the developments that we've chronicled from 1992 on. And so I've said that the, the reason hip hop was weaponized was to break the connection between or to uh, expel the influence of the nation of Islam from hip hop. And that, that jewel of a document that Brother Demetri Muhammad just presented to us through the minister, Demetri Muhammad, from 1991, where they lament the overbearing presence of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad in hip hop. And while they were publicly lamenting that, we know they were privately plotting to undercut that and thus the so-called secret meeting of 1992 and everything that has happened since. God-guided research. Bravo, brother. All praises well, to If I had a bomb, I'd drop it for both of y'all because these are some wonderful answers. So there we go. And, yeah. uh, so to the uh, brothers and sisters in the comments who are watching the show, if you are enjoying our special guest, Brother Student Minister Demetri Muhammad and Doc, Brother Doc, Student Minister Dr. Wesley Muhammad, please drop a one in the comment section for us. Go ahead, Brother Cam. Man, brother, I'm I'm back here just learning, listening, 
um, taking notes. I had a question, but then Brother Demetri covered the question. I had another question, and Brother Dr. Wesley covered the question. So I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> well I'm going to go with it now. Um, but, you know, what was highlighted was, you know, what I wanted to get into with, you know, when you're talking about the plot and the enemy in the background and always the hidden hand and everything that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and honorable minister Louis Farrakhan gave to those that would come later down the line, the enemies always using the tactics um, to stop that. So it made me think about the J Edgar Hoover, uh, COINTEL pro uh, program and uh, scheme and plot that was used in the sixties to infiltrate and to destroy black movements and organizations where they would use black faces to take out and carry out their missions to do their dirty work, i.e. with the Black Panthers and Fred Hampton, i.e. what was done to Brother Malcolm uh, as well. And then when you look at in comparison to what happened with our brother Nipsey Hussle, what happened with our brother Young Dolph, there's always us with the guns in our hand, but there's always a hidden hand with a hidden agenda that's used to orchestrate these type of activities or these government, uh, you know, assassinations against impactful black men, which is the title of this show. But then this other piece, then they try to insert the names of other black people to implement. So the same way they did with Brother Malcolm and tried to implement the Nation of Islam and the minister and the messenger. Then they tried to implement those who were around Chairman Fred. They tried to implement Moneybag Yo, Yo Gotti, Black Youngster, an association with Young Dolph. And they tried to implement an association Tupac and Biggie, the, 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 the riffraff you know, the, the the public arguments that they would have and use that against them. So when the government would take these different courses of action, it would look like we were the ones that were responsible for doing it. I wanted to bring this uh, verse, this scripture um, to the forefront and hear some perspective on that because I thought I was studying this and I thought it was applicable. So... In Matthew chapter 13, verse 54 through 58, it says that, and this is the new international version, Come, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get his wisdom? Where did, in these miraculous powers, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So when I read those verses and then I think about all of the rappers who were cut down essentially in hip hop figures who were cut down essentially in their own community. How does that scripture resonate with that? Because to me, it's very symbolic and it's, it's almost like a teaching moment to give back to your community, 
but always be aware of those in your community. I'm gonna close on this point, and I uh, and then I want to hear y'all perspective. But then, uh, Lil Boosie talked about how he left Baton Rouge because he was a target in Baton Rouge. He was a target for the local government officials. He was a target for those in the street. He talked about his car, his house being bigger than theirs, and they were they they didn't like that. You know, they wasn't able to have what he had, so they had an issue. He talked about the police coming into his house, stealing from him, cutting up the seats in his cars, all type of stuff like that with the with the police and government officials. But then he talked about the other side of the streets that the same people he went to school with, the same people that used to be close with him when he was a local rapper in Baton Rouge were the ones that turned on him, were the ones that were jealous and envious of him. And he talked about, he coined it being hypnotized with hate. And I thought about, and I read these, this verse in Matthew, these verses in Matthew, and I thought that's something to study. So I wanted to get some of the, uh, some feedback first from you, Dr. Wesley and do, and then you, um, student minister, um, Dimitri. Well, you know, one of the profoundest, and most life practical lessons I've learned of the many from the honorable brother minister Farrakhan, the Messiah, is the pathological nature of envy. You know, nobody, envy is a cultural demon. And no one shines light. I have not heard any preacher or teacher shine light on this particular pathology, as does the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan. And that is so important because this pathology, envy, it's so rotten and, and it's at the root of so much carnage in black America. Envy is not an incidental problem to black people. Envy in many ways is a central problem in collective black life. And envy has snuffed out so many of our loved ones, our hip hop artists. I, you may, I was thinking of Pop Smoke when you were speaking and the circumstances of his death envy in many ways was at the root of the murder of our brother Nipsey. Envy is such an irredeemable quality or characteristic and the black community suffers from the pathology, the disease of envy. So that's the problem. And the therapy that black people need is a therapy that will exercise that demon, as in exorcist, not exercise as in LA Fitness, but exercise as in on poultry guys, right? Or whatever 
<laughs> those demonic movies are, that demon must be exercised from us. And that is the value of the nation of Islam. And I end here and I'm anxious to hear, and you have the right person, our, our brother, through the minister Dimitri, to explicate you know, scripture like that. But so I will end here. What are the Muslims doing? See, the revolutionaries, and this is the great messages of student minister Ishmael Muhammad, the national assistant. Jesus as a revolutionary and the false claim that the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the nation of Islam are counter-revolutionaries because we don't engage in the political process political protesting and all of that. No, we are engaging in the most important aspect of revolution work. The work of the nation of Islam. One of the most important aspects of our work, one of the most important aspects of the work of the Honorable Brother Minister Farrakhan is exercising that demon of envy out of us because envy will kill every revolution and it will cause every nation that follows that revolution to implode and disintegrate. So until the character of the black man is built in order to build that character that this demon of envy must be exercised there will never be a profitable, successful revolution. There will never be a black nation that is worth entertaining. And so that's the revolutionary work of the nation of Islam to exercise the demon of envy that is snuffing out so much black life. Beautiful response from my dear brother student minister dr wesley and i concur with every word that he has spoken and i add to that an aspect of what has happened with regard to the murder of young dolph because internally in our communities we have many social pathologies envy and jealousy, backbiting, all of these kinds of things that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has identified as spiritual diseases that the message of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad is best suited to address and correct, they are there. And within the Nation of Islam's teaching and programmatic thrust, we address those respective issues that are cancers to whatever we attempt to build as a people. I don't care if it's a singing group. I don't care if it's a Boy Scout troop. What has become of us in terms of a culture that was imposed upon us by the slave masters and their children and the negative effects of our enslavement cause us to build on one hand and destroy on the other hand. But I'm somewhat guarded 
in attaching what happened to our brother, young Dolph, to the social pathologies of the black community. I think in this case, it could be a ruse, particularly looking at the immediate aftermath of reports of retaliation that were false. And people were calling me from different parts of the country because of the reports that they were receiving that the city was all but bathed in bloodshed. And I said, well, brother, you know, those are not the reports here locally on the ground, but I did see within social media myself that there appeared to be not accurate reports of things that had actually taken place, but maybe instigation of things that they hoped would erupt in this city. And so, as the minister has taught us, we literally have a war on two fronts. We have the arduous task of addressing our internal issues, but we have to never lose sight of the hidden hand of our enemies. And as the minister shared with us, the enemy always uses rumor and the spreading of rumor to facilitate and fan the flames of emotion with the hopes that we will do what we appear to do with such ease these days, and that is to take one another's life. And if we go back into the sacrosanct and sacred teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad, we know that that was job number one of Yaqub's grafted right. devil. Right. When they left the island of Pilan and were permitted to come back into the Holy Land among the original people, their first assignment was to begin to spread rumors. You see if you the, they will allow you to take a room or to live with them in their homes and begin to tell them that you heard the neighbor say this or heard the neighbor say that. And once you can get them to arguing and fighting and killing one another, you can then step in and seek to uh, reconcile and then you'll rule both. So the Yakubian ways, even though they may be mocked by those who don't like the nation of Islam, all you have to do is look at the reality of black life in America to see the strategies and tactics of Yakub and his people in action. So we must continue to work on ourselves. And the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has given to us the self-improvement study guides that carry us along a path or a process that begins with self-examination, proceeds forth to self-analysis, and then concludes with self-correction along spiritual and divine pathways. And so that's a part of the great work that's before anybody that wants to be an activist or a leader or to work in our community. You have to have a great amount of love that exceeds our people's self-hatred. And you have to understand that similar to Musa did also in the teachings, you uh, have to build a spiritual ring of fire 
around yourself so that the very people that you're trying to help and save in their ignorance don't do you no harm. But you, in, in today's time, we have to fight the internal and the external battle. And I believe that Allah is going to bless us with the victory because as they say in the church, the battle is not yours, the battle is the Lord's. However, I would add to that, he has placed a great expectation on us to fight. He's just ensuring us the victory as the outcome. Great caveat. <laughs> Praise be to Allah. Wow, wow, wow. Oh man, first I'm just I'm just thankful and honored to even be on the panel sharing the stage with such uh powerful uh, brothers and students of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan to help shed light on these different topics um, that affect our community on a daily basis. You know, there is a question that a lot of people or a debate that always goes on when it comes to these type of situations. And you have one one side of that argument that's, well, that's what happens when you become successful and you become financially stable and then you come back to the community flossing on everybody. This is what happens when you showing your money and you got jewelry and chains and, you know, nice cars and doing all that kind of stuff. You draw attention to yourself. But we also know in our teaching that we've been promised, you know, money, luxury, good homes, friendship and all walks of life. Right. We've been we've been promised that. So my question is, where do we draw balance? Is there any validity to people being too flashy? Is that is that a thing? Or, you know, is there balance that we have to have when it when it comes to uh, success financially? spiritually you know and dealing with these different aspects because you, that's an argument that you hear oftentimes w within our community that the brother was too fat flashy he had this going on he should have been low-key like i do everything low-key so nobody will be able to know what i'm doing and you know all of that type of stuff but also the rappers get a lot of attention. The ball players get a lot of attention because they have those things. So they become influential to the youth who want to also learn how to get those things, but not getting it out of the streets, not getting it illegally, but want to know how to get it on a positive level. So uh, would, I would like to hear y'all um, perspective on that. Oh, uh, Dr. Wesley, you can go first. It slips my mind right now. What what's that bird with the many beautiful colored tails that he stunts on people? Peacock. 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 So there there is legitimately two sides to the coin that you presented. The two sides of that argument have some merit. The Prophet Muhammad famously told us that Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. In the Arabic used Jamil, it's an explicit reference to physical beauty. Allah does love, he is beautiful and he loves beauty. Hmm? So those of us who derive from him, we naturally seek beautification. 
and we naturally like to be seen in our beauty. The other side of that is peacocking with ill motive. God doesn't peacock. Allah is beautiful and there is no more beautiful a display of that. You know, when Farrakhan walk, his swagger is on 100, right? That's right. Yes, sir. That's it. He's physically beautiful. He walks with power. Everything, those of us who value things like swag and vanity and all of that, and I'm guilty, I'm one of them too. There is no, our hashtag goals is Farrakhan. For everything we want for ourselves, Farrakhan displays it. Farrakhan don't peacock. That's right, that's right. Farrakhan moves with such humility and love. Farrakhan don't stunt on nobody, and that's our problem on our level, see? When we are blessed with these gifts, we want to stunt on folks. We want to peacock in a way to make others feel bad. And so rappers, and I'll close here. So, you know, I'm so tired of rappers who were broke yesterday then signed a deal, got a million dollar check, right? Yes, sir. That seems to be what companies like to do. That say because a million dollars they know ain't going too far. They're gonna trap you and they get cut you a million dollar advance and they trap you. But we were broke yesterday. We get a million dollars from the record label, and we're rapping about you broke niggas. I agree wholeheartedly. Yes, sir. You was a broke nigga yesterday. You was just broke with us yesterday. And now bro. you peacock it, right? <laughs> and so when we do that, when we stunt on people and put our people are poor, you came from the poor. And instead of using what God blessed us to gain, Instead of using that to pull others, we use that to stunt on our people and make our people feel worse about being broke. And so that sets up envy. It sets up hatred. And so now we're targeting you. And I'm not saying that it's right because it's not. I'm saying it's wrong. But I'm saying it's unwise for us to peacock like that. That ain't God's way. And that's a spirit that hip-hop has that is detrimental to hip-hop and detrimental to the hip-hop artists. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was that was good. That, I never thought about it from that perspective like that. Brother um, Minister Demetri, I know you want to chime in on that as well. You know, I, I can only agree with what my brother has stated, and we do see that cultural norm that really feeds and fuels 
this conspicuous consumption that corporate America has uh, as its chief priority to get the people to worship the dollar, to get the people to worship material things, and to communicate that the acquisition of money is the chief virtue in life. And when these kinds of priorities are imposed upon a people like us, who have, as a result of our experience and our suffering, we all have had feelings of inadequacy. We are beset with the competing philosophies of white supremacy and black inferiority. So since we don't feel worthy, we don't feel that we are enough, just as Allah God made us. We feel that if we can add a gold watch, if we can add nice clothes, if we can add a nice car, if we can have more money than we know what to do with, we feel like all of these additions now make us worthy. So we are sick people at the end of more than four centuries of slavery, suffering, and death, where our names, our language, our culture, our God, our religion, all of that was taken for us, taken from us, not from a day, a week, a month, or a year, but for more than four centuries. And so, as the minister has stated, with respect to the subject of reparations, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad asked, for eight to 10 states that are fertile and minerally rich with an outlet to the sea that we might build a nation. But frequently reparations conversations boils down to give me my check. And the minister has said, if they gave us all a big check on Friday, on Monday, they would have all of that money that that check was wrote out to right Amen. back in their accounts. Yes, sir. Because yes, sir. we don't have a knowledge of self. We don't love and appreciate self unless we're able to augment self or modify self based upon American societal standards that frequently involve us having a lot of money and changing the way we look. So hip hop perpetuates these kinds of ideas. And unfortunately, it perpetuates these ideas on the most vulnerable in the black community, black youth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, family, we uh, <laughs> have been thoroughly fed tonight um, as it pertains to addressing this subject in our community and bringing an even brighter light to what has been going on so I, I, I want to say this, and I'm going to pass it to Brother Malcolm um, to go ahead and tie it up. But what are some, some, some solutions that we could discuss? We have over 900 people on the live right now. And some solutions that we can begin to uh, deploy in our communities, whether it be in Memphis, Tennessee, whether it's in, you know, in L.A., whether it's in Atlanta, Chicago, but some some solutions that we can begin to come together and start to use to try to combat everything that we discussed tonight. 
the hidden hand, the envy, the jealousy, you know, and our overall spiritual and mental wellness, our health, because as student minister, brother Demetri said, we are sick people. And then you giving sick people money, you giving sick people the opportunity to do things that they haven't done before. And then you, you know, in that you become a peacock, as Dr. Wesley said, that causes and creates the atmosphere for, for the enemy then to slide in and throw a stone and hide his hand. So what are some, uh, some solutions that we can have that we can start to use um, to take back into our communities, take back to our mosques, synagogues, churches, community organizations, and make our community a safe and decent place to live? Brother Demetri, let's start with you too. I would only say, um, dear brother, in very simplistic ways, because the most successful movement of our people ever in America is arguably, or without argument, the Nation of Islam. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, for some have sounded like broken records when they emphasize over and over again the immense value of the knowledge of self. Have you noticed that right now there is a controversy in education and the controversy surrounds those who are proponents of something called critical race, race theory. theory. Yes, sir. CRT. Versus those who don't want critical race theory. Now, I'm not an expert of what critical race theory is. So I can't necessarily say I'm a proponent of it. But what I'm a proponent of that our children need as early as you can give it to them is the knowledge of self, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of the enemy of self, and the knowledge of time, of the time in which we live and what must be done. Because the most honorable Elijah Muhammad said that the knowledge of self makes one to take on the great virtue of learning. Our people are really as what Hosea talks about in the scriptures. Hosea 4 and 6, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Our young people kill each other and spill each other's blood because we have no knowledge of self and we have no love of self. Interesting it is that hardly have we ever heard this phrase ever used anywhere, private conversation or public conversation. And that phrase is Jew on Jew crime. Mm. I've never heard that phrase used. Why have we never heard of Jew on Jew crime, Jew on Jew homicide? Well, in my experience, one thing that the Jewish community emphasizes is that the generational knowledge of the elders is always passed down to the young. The knowledge of the suffering of the former generation is given to the babies of the future generation. So Jews rationalize that if our foreparents survived Hitler, and the gas chambers and the Holocaust, they didn't survive that period of suffering 
for you and I now to have a disagreement, a beef, a conflict, and to kill one another. So there's something about having a knowledge of a people's suffering that binds us together, that makes the negative outcome of intergroup murder all but impossible. But our youth don't even know anything about their ancestors suffering. Our youth don't know anything about who we were before we came to the shores of America. And now you have people in the name of blocking something called critical race theory, want to ensure that there is no knowledge of the suffering of Black people given to Black youth. So we have to really work, and it's strange to say this, but we literally have to teach our people why we should not kill one another. It's an extraordinary indictment on the day and the time in which we live when we have to conclude that we now have to teach and emphasize why we should not kill one another. And so our work is before us, uh, Brother King Cam, and it is the work that Allah placed on the shoulders of two men in, from amongst us, the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan, and by extension, each and every one of us who bear witness to who these two men are. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for that, Dr. Wesley. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Solutions. Well, this is not set tripping to say the nation of Islam offers the solution. That's right. The nation, we there's a lot of revolution talk. The nation of Islam's program is the prerequisite to the revolution because resurrection must proceed a successful and lasting revolution. I like to use this example of Brother Malcolm. Brother Malcolm, Malcolm X, Brother Malcolm Flex has heard it from me. I think it's profoundly illustrative and it really illustrates the value of the nation of Islam and how we do what we do and why we do what we do. You know, there's that, that the famous scene in Spike Lee's movie. And Malcolm X is drawn from Malcolm X's recounting in his autobiography. You know, the famous scene at the police station where Malcolm allegedly gives this hand signal and the fruit fall out and a police officer says that's too much power for one man to have. Well, one man did not have that power. They weren't, those brothers weren't responding to the power of Malcolm X. Those brothers were 
responding to the protocol of the nation of Islam. Malcolm was able to do that not because he was Malcolm X. Malcolm was able to do that because he was a part of a structure that commanded that. And so we know that's the case. We know that wasn't Malcolm because when Malcolm left the nation of Islam and that structure, he founded Muslim, Muslim, Incorporated. Incorporated, and he founded the Organization of Afro-American Unity. And neither of them had the structure of the nation of Islam. And so, Brother Benjamin 2X Goodman tells us how chaotic the situation was among in within Malcolm's organizations. He said it was like trying to get them to do something was like, you know, somebody telling a hundred people with bricks in their hands to go over there and build a wall. They'll go over there and what you have is a pile of bricks. Well, it was Malcolm who was telling his people, his post-Nation of Islam, Malcolm X, who was telling his people with the bricks of OAAU, all of these intelligent people, he had tasks for them to do and nothing got done. So all of these people had these bricks and at the end of the day, there was no wall built for Malcolm. It was just a pile of bricks because it was the structure of the nation of Islam that gave Malcolm his power. It was the structure of the nation of Islam. And so you took take Malcolm out of that scenario and whoever you put in would have commanded the same authority. And so I say that, I say a number of things, but regard to the question of the solution. All of you who are amazed by that act, that act resulted from the structure of the nation of Islam that empowers black men. The structure of the nation of Islam that disciplines and organizes and allows black men and women to move in such an effective fashion. That wasn't Malcolm X, that was the nation of Islam. So the solution to our problem, unity is the solution, but the most effective display of unity and the power that derives from that unity has always been displayed in an unparalleled fashion by the nation of Islam. Because the nation's program is a program that stimulates resurrection and resurrection guarantees a successful and lasting revolution. Wow. Well, praise to Allah. Yes, sir. Wow. Beautiful. So, go ahead, Brother Cam. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So, all praises due to a lot. My, my question to you, brothers, because um, we, we know that um, a lot of our youth um, in the community who would consider themselves woke, we have woke culture, 
Um, and uh, we have a lot of uh, brilliant brothers who are in music and hip hop who in some of their music have Malcolm X references. You know what I mean? So how much uh, stronger or, or how greater would these brothers be if they actually implemented uh, principles that Malcolm X displayed when he was once in the Nation of Islam, the Malcolm X, not the bearded Malcolm, the Malcolm when he was in the nation, you know, um, under uh, the leadership of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, how stronger um, would these brothers be um, if they actually uh, practice the principles that the brother taught? Well, I, I would say, Brother Malcolm, that as Dr. Wesley beautifully articulated, the nation and its structure, the nation and its teachings is a formula that can take any young man or any young woman that was like Brother Malcolm before he came into the nation and give them the power to become like Malcolm was after he came into the nation. There was one brother, I forget his name, he was an editor for the New Amsterdam News in New York. And he was writing about Brother Malcolm and he was saying how chaste and how moral and how upstanding Brother Minister Malcolm was. And he concluded by saying, pardon me, that's someone trying to call this number. <laughs> but he was saying that he hoped that the formula for making or transforming someone into the likes of Malcolm X did not die with Malcolm X. And of course, the record is clear. Minister Malcolm represents one such transformation among perhaps hundreds of thousands or millions of brothers and sisters whose lives were transformed by the message of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And today, the message that the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan provides for us that represents the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. So any young man or young woman can become their best self if they would adopt the discipline and the wisdom and the spiritual principles that Malcolm adopted when he became a student and follower of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. Brother Dr. Wesley. Excellent. I cannot add to that perfect answer. Beautiful. Praise be to a lot. I, think I may be having some tef technical difficulties. I can't see anyone. Um, no, we can still hear you and see you. So yeah, we hear you and see you. Yeah, so we're good on this end. Um, but man, to put a bow on that family, I think um, you know what has to happen is the knowledge itself. We have to build our own schools and support independent black schools. Um, that's teaching the knowledge itself. That's teaching us about our true history that's teaching us 
about what we were prior to slavery because I think that's very important because the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan highlights the fact that when you look at a picture, the first person you look for in that picture is yourself. And if you're not able to see yourself in that picture, you're not going to be very much interested in that picture. And it goes, it's the same dealing with our education and dealing with everything else and also understanding the importance of the Muslim program and falling under the structure as student minister, Dr. Wesley Muhammad highlighted the importance of that because we can build our own economy. We can talk about building business and, you know, all of the unity that comes into that. But when Dr. Wesley highlighted the discipline of the structure, if we don't have the discipline to not kill each other, right? If we don't have the discipline to not backbite and gossip against one another, then we're not going to have the discipline to want to spend our dollars with one another. We're not going to have the discipline to have to drive a few extra miles or go through a little bit of inconvenience because we're trying to support black business, getting through a lot of our issues in order to continue to have great business relationships with people that look like us. Discipline is at the core of making unity work. And I think it's very, very important that we understand that and the structure of the Nation of Islam, as Dr. Wesley highlighted, is a example, is a, a arc, the same way that Noah's arc was that example and shining symbol of salvation for the people at that time. The Nation of Islam is that arc today, a example and symbol of hope righteousness and, and light for our people to be able to fall under. Does that mean you have to become a card carrying Muslim? Absolutely not. But when you fall under the structure, that means we all understand. We all have a general knowledge of the code and what we should expect from one another. So as Jesus said, to love thy neighbor and to treat one another as you want to be treated is the code that we all should live by. And I think if we follow that, we'll be able to begin to see the, the continued work of the resurrection of our people, which, as Dr. Wesley mentioned, will ensure the longevity of a true revolution. So I'm going to leave it to uh, Brother Malcolm if you want some closing remarks. And then Dr. Wesley, oh, Brother Dimitri, back. And then we can well, close well, out. Well, we can, we can uh, allow our uh, guests... Um, to leave our closing remarks and then we can uh, definitely uh, call it a night because I know uh, Brother Demetri had things that he had to do once he got off. So um, I will allow our brothers to close out for us. Well, I, I would just offer this. Brother King Cam is right. You don't have to join the Nation of Islam to benefit from unity. But you would want to join the Nation of Islam. <laughs> no set tripping. This is real. The Nation of Islam, the structure of the Nation of Islam 
it can be painful, it's rough, but it produces the Malcolm X. It produces the Khalid Muhammad. It produces the Louis Farrakhan. It's the structure that produces the black power that is on display in these men and women. Brother King Cam, you articulated nicely the connection between unity and discipline. Without discipline, unity is always very precarious. Yes, sir. So teach them that. We, we're in unity, but I don't have the discipline to not covet your wife. Come on. So what happens to the unity when my lack of discipline causes me to be up in your wife's, I'm DMing your wife. Yes, sir. The discipline is necessary to keep us from doing that which erodes unity. So all talk of unity that isn't rooted in individual character development is really unity talk that um, is of minimal value because true unity has to have people with character development and character development requires a system of discipline, a discipline structure that forces that community development that allows for a lasting unity which is what the brotherhood and the sisterhood of the nation of Islam is. So forget what you hear from the haters of the nation of Islam out there. You want to join the nation of Islam. Praise be to Allah. All right. Uh, Student Minister Demetrius is on you, brother, if you want to give some closing remarks to the people. Can you can you hear us, brother Demetri? Oh, oh yeah, he fell off. he's having technical difficulties. Well, I, I would definitely say um, this has been uh, an extraordinary uh, conversation. Is is oh he's back, brother Demetri? Yes, I, I apologize okay. on okay. a mobile device, and anytime a call comes through, it appears to be interrupting our connection. So I apologize for that. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's on you, dear brother. All I would like to say, brothers, is I've been tremendously honored and very happy to have had an opportunity to be with my illustrious brothers, each and every one of you tonight, and especially with my dear brother and friend, student minister, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, and I pray that the time that we have been together, that we have added to your audience and that they consider to have been time well spent. I agree with what Dr. Wesley stated. And, you know, when it comes to the nation of Islam, I am a proud company man. 
<laughs> yes, and sir. I encourage each and every one of those who are in the viewing and listening audience to visit your local Muhammad Mosque or study group of the Nation of Islam. You should see that there is something extraordinary within this little nation. That's right. That this nation could give you the most remarkable figures in American history that you have ever seen. That this little nation could fall in 1975, be rebuilt starting in 1977, and to come back strong and be considered a thorn in the side of the wicked rulers of America and the world. You should be able to see the transform transformation of the personal lives of the brothers and sisters, some of whom are your family members, your cousins, your uncles, your aunties, and you remember who and what we used to be. But when you see us after we have met Elijah, when you see us after we have met Farrakhan, you used to look down on us and now you look up at us Come and on. salute us. <laughs> so on, what is sir. present that gave you Malcolm? What was present that gave you the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan? And many, 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 many more brothers and sisters who you don't know their names. That formula for undoing what white America has done to the black man and woman, that formula still exists. It's not snake oil formula, it's just truth. Put in a beautiful and majestic way, tailored to our condition. And so I'm in lockstep agreement with my brothers you should come on and consider come on, let's joining go. the nation of Islam. Let's, we will let's be so go. very honored and happy to call you our brother and sister. All praises due to Allah. And uh, it's so, so beautiful, you know, um, doing this work, you know, being among, you know, a brotherhood and a sisterhood, you don't have to do this alone. You know, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan once told us, you know, um, to get out in the communities. And if the community don't know who you are, then you're not of me. And he told us that he needed 10,000 fearless to stand between the gangs and the guns. And the Nation of Islam is working 24 seven um, in the communities on behalf of our people, you know, showing them and demonstrating what love truly is, willing to sacrifice our money, time, blood, sweat, tears, and our own lives on behalf of all original people around the world. So brother student minister, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, brother student minister, brother Demetric Muhammad, on behalf of Bean Pie and Bowtie podcast, we um, are very grateful to have you both uh, uh, profound brothers on our platform, because this is actually the first interview that we've done on this particular podcast. So again, uh, on behalf of brother King Cam, Brother Ben X and myself, we are greatly uh, appreciative and we thank you a lot. Thank you, yes, brother. Sir. Yes, sir. And family, family, we still got 700 people 
over 700 people on this live stream make sure that you go and that you follow these powerful brothers these these scholars on social media so that you can stay tapped into what they have because they have seemingly taken the honorable minister lewis farrakhan off of instagram and off of these social media platforms but you still have access to his students that put out his lectures his clips and put out their work bearing witness to his teachings bearing witness to the teachings given to us and taught to us by the honorable minister lewis farrakhan and the honorable minister lewis and the in the most honorable elijah muhammad so make sure that you following brother dr wesley on his social media platforms student minister dimitri on his social media platforms get the book but didn't you kill malcolm but get, get, you, all books. get all they books. books you gotta get the you gotta <laughs> get the book of god you gotta get you gotta get the assault on the black man black manhood black masculinity the invincible truth you gotta get everything so i need y'all all of the people that's here y'all need to go to those brothers social media pages in their sites and purchase their material and study so that we can all have a comprehensive knowledge and understanding of what's going on and if you like what's going on with the bean pies and bow ties podcast then if you would like to support that then you can send in donations via cash app dollar sign bp bt podcast again that's dollar sign bp bt podcast family yes exactly the pot plot all of that all of that you got to go and support the family so we definitely could not leave before making sure um that we shouted uh you brothers out and make sure they know how to find you and to stay tapped in absolutely and download final call radio definitely download final call radio so that you can hear constantly on a regular basis the voice in our midst today the messiah in our midst today the honorable minister lewis farrakhan that wisdom that guidance that will help us through this dark hour and to help us safely get to the other side all right family so i certainly certainly appreciate everybody uh for joining us and again just being able to be on this panel and uh man we we definitely look forward to doing this again and we leave you all in the greeting words of peace as we say it in the arabic language of assalamu alaikum Get your money, man. Get your bread up. Gotta do for yourself. Now you fed up. Get your study on. All praise be to God. Stay red up. I never let up. Everyone that I'm around already know what I'm about. Build heaven on earth. Gotta catch up. Elijah Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. Sarah, come out. Come now, man. What about me?